Hi everyone, we are back with the Ask Mike Show and I'm here today with Jimmy Starr who is the host or co-host, sorry, of the Jimmy Starr Show with Ron Russell, co-founder of All Star PR and he's also... World Star, World Star PR. World Star PR. There you go. (laughs) And is a movie producer and also owns a celebrity clothing line. So there is so much that we're going to dive in today. I can't wait. Jimmy, thanks for being a guest. Hey, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to it. I'm happy to be here. So one of the, the main things that you dove into is the entertainment industry. That's one of the running themes or common themes that I've seen with everything that you do. But how did you start in the entertainment industry? It's not something people tend to, to talk a lot about. So share your initial start. Uh, well, I was acting since I was like, I guess in junior high school. So um, I did a lot of like a lot, mostly I did like extra work and stuff just to learn about the industry and see how things were going. Um, and I was a competitive tennis player and I didn't know if I wanted to be a professional tennis player or I've always liked tennis and I always liked fashion a lot. Um, so when I got out of college, uh, I worked for a couple of years trying to save money and I was talking to my dad and he asked me what I wanted to do. And I said, when I have a lot, a lot of money, I want to become a clothing designer. And he's like, you're never going to have enough money. So if you want to do it, you should just do it. So I quit my job. I took my savings and I bought a building and I started making clothes. <laughs> and so I started making clothes and, and everything that I made was one of a kind. Um, and so I had a whole store, a really big store filled with everything one of a kind, men's shirts, women's dresses, men's jeans, everything. And I only made one of them. And I, I built a reputation for uh, a lot of famous people and celebrities and people in entertainment coming in because they wanted to wear stuff that nobody else would have. That's a good point. I've noticed that's becoming more and more popular, you know, as, as the world becomes more connected and more social people want to stand out. They want something that makes them unique and something that nobody else has. It's almost like a, a statement, if you will. I've got this thing and nobody else can have it. So what what drew you to that? What was the, the main reason behind the one-of-a-kind idea? I always loved fashion and I just thought it would be something different because nobody else did it. Um, and I always try to do things that nobody else does. So I thought it would be a lot of fun. And what I did to become popular is, I don't know if they have that where you are, but like we have cons here where like celebrities go and sign autographs and stuff. Um, You know, and so I would go to all these conventions and I would take racks and racks of clothes and I would meet the celebrities and I would give them clothes if they would let me like, you know, take pictures of them and they loved it. So they would all come to my hotel room, you know, and try clothes on. And then I became friends with all of them. And by becoming friends with all of them, uh, you know, I had tons of pictures of super famous people wearing my clothes. And then I launched my radio show because it started as a radio show. And, and that way, it's how I got all my celebrity guests at the beginning. They were people that I uh, were dressing and got them on the show. And nobody could believe that. Uh, how does somebody who just starts out, you know, get all these like superstar guests? And that's how I did it. Um, that, that's an interesting, an interesting story, really. Almost like it gave you the way in, which then gave you the, the sort of, relationship with them to get them and try to then build and do other things with them what yes. people did you have the the opportunity to to dress for oh i dressed uh, clive barker who's huge in the horror world malcolm mcdowell lance henriksen um uh elton john um 
some of the see. Let me look around. My expose. I don't know if you if your expose was one of the biggest selling girl groups of all time until Destiny's Child came around. And uh, expose Norman Reedus from The Walking Dead, Dash Chris Caraba from Dashboard Confessional, all the guys in the movie The Lost Boys, um, Carmen Electra. I don't know all kinds of people. Like I dressed all kinds of really cool people by going to the conventions. We became friends. Um, and a lot of them, you know, I still know today and I work with them on film projects and stuff. I have an in because they already know me. Um, so it was really a lot of fun and I had a blast and I love horror movies. And so I love going to horror movie conventions anyway. And it just kind of like revolved around that and, and kind of grew from there. That makes perfect sense. What was the conversation like? So you've got this clothing business that the celebrities love because they were able to stand out, have something nobody else had. And then you want to interview them on your back then new-ish radio show. What was the conversation that actually got them to say yes? Oh, you know, you didn't even really have to have a conversation. I would just like call them and say, hey, or I would even ask them while I was dressing them, you know, before they like left. Hey, I'd love to have you on my show. It's weekly on Wednesdays. You know, all you got to do is call in. Would you be interested? They all said yes. You know, celebrities are cool. And I mean, I gave them all tons of free clothes. I mean, my clothes were expensive. You know, shirts were you know, anywhere from like 90 to three or 400 bucks. I had jeans, you know, they were like $2,000. I mean, my stuff was really expensive because it was one of a kind. Um, and so, you know, and I was giving it to them for free. You know, I didn't make them pay for it. I gave it to them, you know, to get all the pictures. I mean, that's how I got started with, with getting the celebrities and, and, and ha- kind of like having people know me. And then I got featured in, uh, in uh, DNR, which is daily news record, which is the men's version of um, the men's version of women's wear daily, which is like the biggest fashion thing. So that was like the biggest thing in fashion for men. And I had like a three page spread in DNR and that helped a lot. Um, and then I started doing costume design for movies and, and all the local TV shows bring me on. And then they did a, a version of queer eye for the straight guy or that TV show. They did a radio version with the biggest radio station in the United States. And I was the fashion guy for it. Um, and I was on the radio every day for like three months you know, doing promotions and stuff with the radio station. And so it kind of like all built from there. Seems a little weird that you're doing design for a radio show. Did, did that ever occur to you? No, but it was fun. I had a really good time. <laughs> <laughs> just, I could just picture going, we all look really cool, but this is radio. We can't, the, the other people can't see it. It makes no it difference. Was fun, though. <laughs> you know what? I, I'm, um, I'm kind of like one of those people who takes the road less traveled in everything I do. I, I, tr- I try to find, you know, out of the box ways to do things to make me stand out and be different from everybody else. I think there's a lot of power in that. I think there's a lot of, I guess, strength that comes from that as well. Like wanting to take the path that not many people are willing to go down. Is that something that you had to cultivate in, in yourself? Is it like a practice or is it just a way of thinking because of how you were brought up? Like, how did you go about being okay with that, you know? Because if it's unknown, if it's less traveled, for some people, they could have a lot of fear around that, but you seem to have accomplished quite well. I don't have any fear if you don't try things. I mean, not like I'm not saying everything I've ever tried has been successful, but if you don't try things and put yourself out there, you don't know if it's going to be successful or not. So I have no problem at ever trying to do things, you know, different than everybody else and just doing it. I mean, it worked. I started my show before anybody had a show. You know, I'm on, I'm on the air for 14 years. Uh, you know, so I'm like one of the very first podcasts in general because um, there was no podcasting 14 years ago. And, uh, you know, so I've been doing it for a really long time. And I'm usually like ahead. My clothes were very you know, way out there, like the clothes that I made 20 years ago would still work now, you know, back then they were way out there, but, but, uh, 
they would be considered, you know, totally like cool for right now also. So I, I'm always pretty much like way ahead of the curve in everything that I do. So what's your, what's your ratio to failures to successes then? Now I'm aware that you probably just shifted gears. You probably just changed how you did things a little bit, but um, do you have like a ratio to sort of almost enlighten people enlighten the listeners a little bit in terms of like not everything that you do is going to work what's what would you say your average like ratio to failures to successes i'd say probably like 70 percent success and 30 percent failure would probably be you know i was a very successful clothing designer the reason i don't do it anymore is because we have a thing here in the united states called eminent domain and uh, i had this beautiful building that everybody shopped at and the government came and took the building away um, illegally, I had a, like a, an eight year legal battle and I lost everything. So literally in 2000, I think 2006 or something, they took the building and they gave me $900,000 for it, but I had $4 million invested in it. So I lost $3.1 million. And I basically had to start and reinvent myself totally all over again because of a corrupt, you know, government scandal. And, uh, um, and so that was like, kind of like a big thing. And it took me several years to get back on my, you know, back on my feet well like i am now um and it's just something i guess you know everybody's got hardships that they like go through but that's really why i stopped being a clothing designer was because i basically like i lost all the money that i invested in it and um and all the money that i had made in it because i kept reinvesting all the money so i i took a really big hit and i had to reinvent myself and i reinvented myself um started acting more and reinvented myself uh in acting and then turning my radio show into a television show um, and then I also, uh, I started producing movies and, and then I joined up with Eileen about four years ago to start almost four years ago to start world star PR. What did those years look like? I mean, you probably had several dark moments, several ups as well, maybe. Um, what was the recovery period like? What sort of things did you have to do to, to rebuild yourself? Oh my God. I had to do everything. Cause I, because of it, I lost everything. I had like a 200, you know, I made about $200,000 a year. Um, and I basically lost everything. My house got foreclosed on my car got taken. Um, uh, the building, you know, I lost the building and all the money was in the building. And, uh, I ended up working at a shoe store for like three years just to have an income while I, at nighttime I would come home from work and then I would like work on re you know, relaunching myself. And it took about, you know, three years to do that. And it took probably another two or three years after that for me to actually support myself without having to do another job. You know, like right now I only do the things that I want to do, but back then I had to do a bunch of things just to make sure I could eat. I was a security guard. I, I did all kinds of things. You know, it was a very, very difficult time, but, um, but you know, it made me stronger uh, for where I am now. And, and now I, and it also made me know what I do want to do and what I don't want to do. And I don't, I don't do things that I don't want to do. <laughs> Oh no, I uh, I definitely echo that. It's the uh, the trade-off just isn't worth it. It's not worth the the added pressure and negativity and waking up not wanting to get out of bed every day is not something that you want to do long term. That's no. for sure. No, so I'm very happy do, that I can support myself in all the things that I love doing. Uh, it makes me very happy that I don't have to go and work like a regular people job and and that I you know have a great life now. But I definitely had, you know, six, seven, eight years that were rough. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I can, I can picture it. Um, I've never had anything quite that intense happen to me. 
Um, but I can definitely picture sort of living in your car for a bit and all those sorts of things. So, yeah, it doesn't sound good. No, it wasn't good. It wasn't good, but, you know, but I became stronger. And I actually, I'm so happy with everything that I get to do now. I'm doing everything I, I, I've ever enjoyed. And I think one day I'll probably go back to like, you know, doing some clothing design stuff too. Already, like I, I do stuff on small movies where, you know, where I like help do put it all together and stuff on some of the films I work on and stuff. So I'll probably get back into it, but I really enjoy, you know, being a talk show host and being a publicist and, and, and doing all the film stuff. So, so I don't have a huge desire to go back to it at this moment. No, that makes perfect sense. And I think that, I think you're probably right to just follow what you're doing currently and just doing whatever it is that you're doing. I mean, you're in a very, very good position, I guess, to be able to keep doing that. Did you have to tell yourself that it'll get better? Tell yourself that the only way is up and all those sorts of things. What sort of what sort of conversations with yourself did you have to have? Because it could have been easy to just do and just stay in that space where you're working jobs and you're doing all the things. What was the what was the pull that kept you going? I've never been like that. I've always been an overachiever. Um, you know, I do all kinds of things. I've done all kinds of things just to see if I can do them. Um, and so like, I've, I've written all kinds of books, uh, you know, different kinds of books and stuff. And, and the only reason I, I, I decided to see if I could write a book was because, uh, I had this person in my life who, who, every time I saw him, I would say, how's the book coming? And he would say, oh, you know, it's getting there. And like five years later, he still doesn't have a book. And so, and I was just like, it can't be that hard to write a book. So I went out and like, I wrote like six books in like 12 months, you know, like 200 page fiction books and stuff like that. And I was like, this is not like a big deal. It's not hard to write a book. And, and they all did relatively well. And, uh, and I didn't really do it because I wanted to be a writer. I just wanted to did it to see if I could do it, which helped me because I'm a publicist and I have to write a lot. So it definitely has helped me, you know, in other areas. Um, but I think that, you know, I've always been a, like, let's see what you can do and what are you good at? And, and I know my strengths and I know my weaknesses and I'm in a ton of movies, but I'm not really a good actor. People put me in them because I'm a good promoter and they know if they put, if I'm in a movie that it gets promoted well, you know, and that's what they want. Um, um, so I know my strengths and I know my weaknesses and I work on my weaknesses. Um, but for me, the whole thing is just about having fun. I want to like, whatever I'm doing, I want to have fun. So you mentioned the, the podcast before you've been in the game now for 14 years which is a long time what was it like back then because I imagine if podcasts are reasonably new radio was the start that's a big guess for me is that the case was it a radio sort of internet radio was the launch of internet radio Um, internet radio was just coming out it was just getting started believe it or not I was on Craigslist which you guys probably don't have that, but Craigslist is a, like a listing site where they have like, you can get jobs and all kinds of things and they have entertainment sections. And I was on Craigslist looking uh, for entertainment jobs. And there was a, a thing from my internet radio station looking for interns. And so I answered it and I said, I don't want to be an intern, but I would like to have a radio show. I said, I know a lot of famous people and I think I could probably be successful with it. And the guy had me come in and I talked to him and, um, uh, we started with a show and uh, he gave me a 50 minute show. And after three weeks, he came to me and said, would you like to have a two hour show? Cause so many people were tuning in. Um, and so then I went from a 50 minute show to an hour and 50 minute show. And, and that's where I've been ever since. And I've been with the same station, you know, for 14 years, W4CY radio with Dean Piper. It's a great, great station. 
Awesome. So what was the, <clears throat> what were the, the foundations for the growth of the show? Because I'm aware that the show is in the millions every week yeah. now. So I'm also aware it probably wasn't always that way. So what were the main reasons for the show's growth besides possibly the guests that you had on because you had access to famous people and just promoting it everywhere and hoping people watched, which is quite common. Um, but your show's uncommon. Yeah. So what, what made the show stand well, out? We start, I started out, I made the show because I wanted to like interview people that I was fans of, mostly from the 80s and 90s. When I first started out, the show was primarily horror guests from horror movies. And I had three co-hosts on, on the show for many years when we got started. Um, and we were like the number one show on the East Coast of the United States. Uh, and then uh, 10 years, nine, almost 10 years ago, um, uh, I met Ron, who's my co-host, who's also my husband. And I brought him on the show. And he is a hilarious. Um, you know, he, he has no filter. He's totally politically incorrect. And, and once we brought him on the show, we were radio for about two years. And then he was like, I want to do video and television. And so then we, it was his idea for us to go into video and television, which we did before anybody was doing it. And, um, and, and then he, he also developed a big following. So more and more people were tuning in. And I have a big social media following. You know, I have like, I don't know, 330,000 Twitter followers and you know, like, I don't know, our Facebook page for the show has like 20 some thousand people on it. And, and on Instagram, I'm pretty popular, like not really popular, but like 20 something thousand people on Instagram. And so we just promote the shit out of everything. <laughs> and I get on everything. I'm on about 150 platforms. You know, my show's on IMDb, so I get movie credit for it. Um, and all the guests get a credit. Anybody who comes on, you know, gets a credit for coming on the show. And uh, so we kind of just have keep on growing, you know, from there. Uh, and I also don't worry about what anybody else does. I think one of our biggest things is because everybody tries to copy us, but you can't you can't really have a successful show trying to copy somebody else's format. You really have to do your own, you know, in your own thing. And so I think the fact that I don't worry what everybody else is doing and I don't worry about all the people who like copy and all the people who go after and try and get all the guests, you know, that I've had thinking that that's going to make them go, you know, it's just, it's a combination of many things that that makes a show successful. And, and most ability is you have to be like likable. You have to have a likability factor, you know? Um, we have a chat room and we interact with all the people in the chat room during the show and they love it. So who doesn't want to like get shouted out, you know, on, on a show in the middle of a show, you know, and get talked to from the host from the show and from the celebrities from the show and stuff. You know, everybody like loves it. So our chat rooms are always filled with a lot of people. We interact with the chat room. All the chat room people have become friends on Facebook and Twitter and they all help promote everything. And that helps it grow a lot. I like the community elements around it. I like the way that you've built a community around the show and have that level of interaction. I don't think there's enough of that, especially today. I don't think there's enough engagement from, from the whole community as a whole. I think right. that especially nowadays, it's something that we can even crave sometimes. We crave that sense of connection, but I like how you're able to do that. And I've probably been doing that since the beginning, if I'm, I'm right in saying that. Yeah. Yeah. So we've always, we've always been very interactive. And that's why I have a big Twitter following too. Because I Twitter, I tweet with you if you've got 20 followers and I tweet with you if you've got a million followers. You know, I tweet with everybody. I'm, I don't just tweet with important, the people who think they're important or whatever. I don't know how you want to word that, but I tweet with everybody because like, you know, everybody, everybody can be a fan, everybody can be a friend and everybody helps, 
you know, support each other. I have a very great network of friends on Twitter and everybody helps promote each other. And, you know, everybody is at different levels of maybe notoriety, but everybody helps each other out. You know, it's not a competitive thing. It's a, like everybody can help everybody so we can all be successful type attitude. And, and I think that has also helped me a lot. I think that is a massive benefit of podcasting in general. It is a, it's a collaboration project almost. It's something that you know, I help you out, you help me out, everyone helps everyone. And the whole, the whole system grows almost like the rising tide raises all boats. Yep. And it really can be that way. It's not always that way because a lot of people I think are assholes. Um, but if everybody helped each other out, you know, there's no reason why that, that everybody couldn't be successful, but, and I, and I usually back away from people if they're not interested in, in like, you know, giving something back. Like I, I, am happy to give and help, but I, if I need something, I also want it to come back to me. I don't want everything. It can't just be one sided where one person takes and takes and takes, you know, everybody's got to work together to help build each other's, whatever it is that they're doing. And I think I have a great, great foundation for that. Um, and I think that's one reason why our show is successful. I think giving is something that, personally anyway, that should be encouraged. You know, is, is that something that you've always done, something that was natural to you? Is that something yeah. that's been in the way that you're made? Or have you had to, to sort of learn that? No, I've always been, I've always been that way where I like, tried to, to network and, and build groups of people where everybody helps each other out. Because I don't really see any other way to be successful. Nobody is successful on their own. Nobody can be a superstar without help, you know. And so everybody needs help. And if everybody helps each other, everybody can be successful. And there's different degrees of success. But, you know, everybody has different degrees of dreams of what success. You know, everybody's got a different idea of what success is in the first place. You know, like our show is wild and it's politically incorrect. And we talk about boobs and asses and all kinds of things, you know. So, you know, we're never going to be, you know on like a regular like television station or whatever, because we're not politically correct. And if we tried to change the format, we lost all the listeners, you know, people don't tune in. If, if we became a clean show and we didn't curse and drop F bombs and, and, you know, make nasty jokes and stuff, nobody would pay us any attention. Nobody would watch. So, so it's kind of like, I'm in like a catch 22 of this is our niche and this is where we are. And people either love it or don't love it. So we're kind of like the king of the indie you know, shows, because we do get, you know, four, we average four or five million streams a week, um, you know, but not everybody, it's not for everybody, not everybody likes it, some people get really offended, and if it's not their kind of show, they can, you know, there's lots of other shows, I think there's 1.2 million podcasts now, if not, uh, yeah, um, just pod, yeah, in, in the world, and so, you know, there's plenty of other things to listen to, but if you want to just have a good time and relax and you're funny shit. You know, we're a good one to, while we're talking, while you're talking to super famous people, you know, it's, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. I can definitely see the, see the benefit to that. Almost you learn about the famous person as a person and what they're right. like. And very often you don't get to see that, but with your show, it's a different, different story. Yes. We like to ask, I mean, we, I, I ask all the questions about, the movies and the projects and stuff and ron asks you know who are you fucking and and, <laughs> and shit like that so <laughs> that's really and that's kind of like our left that's our yin and our yang <laughs> so we still talk about all the promotional stuff but we also you know want to know about what's going on you know in your life it's like good cop bad cop you go so so what were you up to last night and then he walks in and goes come on tell the truth come on <laughs> 
yeah, are you gay? Are you straight? Do you have kids? You know, I mean, I mean, sometimes it gets a little bit too far out there because like, you know, so, so once in a while it gets really like wild, but and risque, but it's fun, you know, and, and if people are offended by that, then it's just not the right, you know, yeah, look at Howard Stern. I mean, he made fucking $50 million just saying, show us your tits, you know, show me your tits. You know, other than that, Howard Stern isn't really worth a shit, but he said that and he got paid a ton of money. So, so we actually should get on Sirius or one of those stations like that where we could make a lot of money. It'd be fun. But, but in the meantime, we have a good time and it, and it allows us to get invited to lots of great, you know, we, we go to all the red carpet movie premieres and we get to go to a lot of fun places that if we didn't have the show, we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't be, be well known enough to actually be able to get into places. But because of the show, we get into everything. Actually speaks a lot to a reason to have your own platform, a reason to have your own show. I mean, yeah, yours is up there with some of the most popular shows out there. So that probably gets you into places that other people just wouldn't. But there are ways that you can use having your own platform, having your own show to your benefit. And that definitely is, yeah, very sort of ahead of most people example but there's no reason why you can't do something similar just by starting your own podcast or starting your own show and positioning it in in the right way absolutely everybody can everybody could do it i mean well i mean your show has to be kind of interesting but yeah i think anybody everybody could do it it also helps because like i'm a blogger also and i uh my blog is jimmystarsworld.com and it's a uh i got named number 50 of the top 100 entertainment blogs in the world. Um, so people like the blog and it also on it, I have tabs for my PR company and tabs for the show. You know, it's kind of got like everything that's going on, all my social media and stuff. Um, so between the two things, we usually get allowed, we usually get invited to like a lot of, you know, very cool events. Yeah, I can imagine. Have you had any moments where maybe in the initial stages whereby you've had people say no despite the show and then have people change their minds once you got more popular. Yeah. Lots. I, it used to happen with guests all the time. I mean, I have guests that like I approached at the beginning that said no. And seven years later, you know, they were happy to come on the show. Um, and I've, that's happened with a lot of people actually. So I've had lots and lots of guests who I couldn't get at the beginning um, who I got later on. And I also, you know, sometimes I get lucky and I get, you know, it's still hard to get guests. I mean, I still haven't gotten like my bucket list of guests yet, um, you know, but I will eventually everything takes time, but yeah, definitely it happens that way and going to events and stuff too. Um, you know, sometimes it's easy to get in. Sometimes you got to work a little harder and sometimes you can't get in. Um, you know, but, but I think that as we grow and get bigger, I always hope that we'll get bigger and better. So, so, uh, but I enjoy where, where we stand at the moment also. Yeah. I think it's very enlightening and very sort of pull the wool over people's eyes almost that you're 14 years in. I mean, I'm sure your bucket list has grown and developed over the years, but you've not had everybody on that you desperately want to have on after almost a decade and a half in the game. I think there's, there's a lot that can be learned from that, you know, like you, you're still going despite that. You might have people go in with like high expectations of like, I'm not going to do my show unless I have these people on. And you realize that, hey, you know what? It's going to take a long time to build up your reputation to get to a point where these people actually want to be on your show. It does, doesn't happen overnight, does it? 
No, it definitely doesn't happen overnight. And I think that's the problem that people have with celebrity in general. Cause um, as a publicist, I work with, you know, a lot of up and coming like singers and bands and stuff like that. And, and, and like, they're like, they think that they're going to, you know, pay for PR for one month and all of a sudden they're going to be like, you know, number one on the charts and they don't realize, you know, like every famous, almost every famous singer, you know, did it for years and years and years before they ever made any money. I, I know like the Goo Goo Dolls, everybody thought they were the Goo Goo Dolls were like an overnight sensation and they had all these number one hits and stuff, but they were like a touring band living in a van for 15 years before they became an overnight success. You know, so there is no such thing as an overnight success unless you got a rich daddy or mommy who gives you $10 million to get your song, you know, number one on the radio. <laughs> but other than that, there is no such really thing as an overnight success. And so um, people have to realize that it takes a lot of hard work and you got to you got to really like enjoy it. And you shouldn't be doing it for the fame. You should be doing it because you enjoy it and then just see where it goes. And and you don't know where it's going to go. Like, I didn't know that people would like were going to like us and we were going to be popular. I did it because it's what I wanted to do. Um, and I still do it because it's where I want to do. Cause like, I probably got one of the only shows in the world that's very popular that doesn't really make money. Um, you know, I don't have sponsors, um, cause our, our content is, you know, people are afraid of our content cause we don't know, they don't know what we're going to be talking about. Um, and so we don't always, you know, it's not easy to get sponsors for a show that talks about pussies and dicks and all kinds of shit. <laughs> no, no, I imagine there's a, I imagine there's a lot of, I guess, friction, Yes. Sponsors and companies are like, well, we'll sponsor you if you don't say this or don't talk about this. And you go, no, 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 thanks. <laughs> you can't because you, you know, then you lose all your listeners. So it's kind of a catch 22, but you know what? We do it for fun. It gets us in places. I mean, I've been in what, 150 movies or something. I mean, I get into a lot of movies because of it. Um, and, uh, and so I make money in other regards because I have the show, but the show itself doesn't actually make any money. Yeah, yeah. Mentioning movies, what was the reason behind moving into producing movies rather than just acting? I know you mentioned you're not the best actor in the world. Maybe that has something to do with it. But what was the the reason behind producing? Because um, producers make money. <laughs> First of all, I'm good at it. I'm a people person. I'm really good at networking and I'm a people person. Um, and basically a producer is the person who puts the whole film together he finds the actors, the locations, the director hires everybody, um, and gets the distribution and all the different things that you have to do with it. And I'm good at all those things. Um, and producers, you know, make significantly more money like an actor, especially in an indie film, you know, actors in any films make maybe a hundred dollars a day, $200 a day, $500 a day, you know, and, and, uh, to produce a film, you know, you, you make a, per, a percentage and you get a percentage on the back end. So, you know, you can make a $4 million movie and get a, you know, $100,000 payday plus a percentage on the back end. You know, that's real money as opposed to $200 a day to act in it. <laughs> that makes sense, actually. I mean, what what's the main difference between, say, uh, a bigger named actor? You know, the, the world famous actors, they probably get paid more versus a producer. Do the producers get paid significantly higher again, like this new band of sort of earners? Do the producers always make A-list more people, than the A-list people will always make more money, always, uh, in every film. But 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 you got to think like as a paycheck. If you work three weeks on an indie film, you know that's fifteen days, and you make two hundred dollars a day. You make three grand, and on on a you know a million dollar film for the same same three weeks. You know, you might make 20 grand or 25 grand. Where are you better off? Um, and so I like to, 
you know, I'm going for the big money. I'm getting old. You know, I have to like have some savings and stuff before I get too old. So I need to do it. And it's yeah. just fun for me because I'm a people person, you know, and so I get along with people really well and I enjoy it a lot. And I love casting. That's my favorite thing to do is casting is going up and, and you know, attaching celebrities to the pro to the, whatever the pro movie is. I love to attach celebrities to it. So uh, I'm just good at it and I like it. And, and, uh, and it pays more money, but I enjoy it more. And because, because I really do suck at acting. <laughs> well, at least you're honest with yourself and honest enough to know that, uh, that that is the case. Anyway, you know, everyone's got strengths. I still like to be in them. Like I still like cameos and stuff. Like there's a movie coming out, Terror Tunes 4. And uh, like, I'm going to get killed in it. Like, so I won't have a big scene, but it's like a cartoonish mix with real people type stuff. And I'm going to get my head like blown off or something. So I still like to do, I still like to be in them, you know, for little cameos, but I can never do anything big and dramatic, you know, just because I don't have the acting chops for it. Ron, on the other hand, he's a phenomenal actor. And so, you know, he gets the good roles and I get the like little shitty ones. (laughs) (laughs) It's very, very interesting sort of, opposite relationship that you've got going on. So I quite, quite, I quite, quite like that. It's quite interesting. Yes, um, so what makes, what makes your process around deciding who to cast? Have you got a process? Have you got like, principles that you stick to or do you just sort of go off your gut, go off your intuition and go, these are a good fit or cast these people? That's what I do. I mean, I talk about it with the other people involved with the whole team. Sometimes it depends on how big the film is. You know, if it's a big film with a big budget, then you can go to the A-list people once you're funded, you know, and, and approach them and they'll either do it or they won't. Um, and then you can, you know, when it's a, a lower budget film, a lot of times you have to go with who you know. And because, I, because I've had so many people on my show, you know, I, I pretty much know the cream of the crop of the B, B and B-plus uh, actors, you know, I like, they're all friends of mine. And so like, if you're doing like a couple of hundred thousand dollar film, like I know all those people and I can just go to them and cast them. Um, and then if it's, you know, somebody big, you know, I've, I've gone to people and offered them unbelievable, what I thought was unbelievable amounts of money and been turned down. And I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, I couldn't even, you know, believe it. Um, so some of these people turn down stuff, whether, I don't know if it's because they don't like the material or it's just not enough money. Um, or you know what it is but i've i've really i've approached some really big a-list people which what i thought was a lot of money you know three million dollars for two weeks or something and they're like no it's not enough and i'm like holy shit (laughs) if i could make three million dollars in like two weeks like i'd retire (laughs) yeah i've worked worked two weeks and you never see me again i'll be honest So, you know, everybody's got their own priorities and what they want to do and what they think fits for them. Um, But uh, everything for me just goes back to like, you got to have fun. Producing for me is fun. Doing my show is fun. Being a publicist is fun. Um, And I hope I can continue to always like work in areas that I think are fun and support myself and just enjoy myself as I go along. What would you say was important around other people creating that environment, the ability to have fun and not worry too much about whether it brings an income or not, having that freedom to fail almost. The freedom to fail, I think, is something that's important and something that you've you've created but never really needed. Like a lot of the things that you've done seem to have, have came off, so to speak. You must have had the ability to actually take action on those things. So 
What do you think created that? And how do you think other people could do the same? Well, you know, I have a lot of confidence in myself and in my own abilities. And I think that's really what a lot of people lack confidence, which is not arrogance. It's just confidence. I think I'm good at a lot of things. And so when I approach things, I look at them and, and I'm realistic. Like, is this something I can do or, or not? Because, um, you know, some people, you know, can't sing a lick and then they want to like, you know, go win American Idol. You know, like, I mean, that's like, there's a difference between confidence and like just fucking outright crazy shit. Um, so I think you have to have confidence in yourself and don't listen to naysayers because everybody always tells me, oh, you can't do that. I mean, I'm telling you my whole life, all people have done is told me that you can't do this and you can't do that. It's not going to work, you know? And the more people tell me I can't do it, probably the better I am at it. <laughs> that's interesting. I, I think it's important, you know, if you've got a dream, like pursue your dream and pursue it however, you know, you have to pursue it. You know, not everybody can support themselves on their dream right off the bat. You know, I supported myself at the beginning and then I had an eight year lull where I couldn't support myself. And now, thank goodness, you know, I'm able to support myself again. Um, but you got to like not be afraid to try. And I think that's the biggest thing is people are afraid to try. You know, and if you don't try, how are you going to know? And I would hate to be at my age now, I'm 56. I would hate to be. 56 looking back on my life of all the things that I wanted to do if I had never tried them and thought oh my god I wasted my whole life because I've never done what I really wanted to do and I think that you know I would just want to kick myself so yeah everything didn't work out and yeah I've had some ups and I've had some downs um, but I've had way more ups than I've had downs and I love everything that I get to do and I get to do the coolest things ever and I think that if you don't try you know it's like you're wasting your life yeah I mean <laughs> past experiences with X Factor has shown me that so many people think they're amazing at singing that uh, probably should have been told earlier that they they can't actually sing. Uh, I love X Factor too, by the way. I sit at night um, before I go to bed on my iPad and I watch X Factor and The Voice in all the different countries. Um, Cause you know, X Factor really the best ones are in the UK. So I watch all, I, when it comes on, I watch all the videos and everything on, on YouTube. Yeah. Um, and I to help me go to sleep. And so I love the singing shows are one of my favorite types of shows and X Factor. I don't really like the voice, like once it gets going in the competition, but I like the voice for all the blind auditions. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I love all those kinds of songs and you're right though. I mean, you see the people, I mean, I, I think that some of those people get put in there as a joke anyway, because they need to have some comic relief. I, I can't imagine that some of those people think they can really sing, you know, but maybe they do think it out. I, I don't know. Cause there's so many of them that are terrible. Um, but I enjoy the, that kind of stuff a lot. That helps me relax. There's definitely a line, isn't there, between confidence, arrogance, and then there's a little, funny little area called delusion right in the corner yeah. that, that not many people are in. But the people that are in, you kind of feel sorry for those people. <laughs> you feel kind of, come on, you must be able to be a bit more realistic than that. I do it though. Every night I watch uh, for like half an hour before I go to bed. I either do that and I also, because I collect action figures. So, so if I, otherwise I'm on eBay looking for action figures, but those are like the two things that like relax me at the end of the day before I go to bed. Have you got um, a particular favorite figure? My seven foot Krampus from the movie Krampus. Wow. Um, I also have a, a Jason from Friday the 13th. My newest thing is I got a 1966 action man. Uh, okay. which I haven't displayed yet, but literally my office is filled. I have, I have, um, I collect mostly superheroes and horror movie memorabilia. Most of it is all signed and about half of it is 
is characters of people who've been on my show and, and half of those are all actually autographed to me. Um, oh, cool. Um, but I have a ton of stuff in my office. It's kind of like my retirement and I have like props. Like, I don't know if you, I'm, I'm real, really enjoy the Saw franchise and like Saw 3, the whole movie revolves around this stuffed pink pig. And I have the actual stuffed pink pig from the movie in my case. And I have like uh, an autographed alien tile from the movie Aliens that, uh, that Lance Henriksen made. And he's one of my favorite actors. Um, but yeah, everything is, there's an alien here. Everything is, everything that I have, oh, you can see the alien back there. Uh, he's six feet tall, but everything I have is, uh, is either superheroes or horror movies. And, and I freaking like love it. And like, I, I have literally, cause I have, you know, I probably have a thousand action figures in my office, like all spread out throughout the whole, uh, thing. So a action figures. And like, I collect the books of the different people who have been on our show. So I have a bunch of autographed books. I like it when the stuff's autographed and <laughs> sucks to me. Um, but it's fun. I also got this. This is Captain Action. I just got this one too, Captain Action. I look on eBay and I and I hit watch to see how much they actually go for. But some of the stuff gets really pricey, and so you know you have to make choose your choose your purchases wisely. Um, but I have everything. I have like a four foot Batman and a four foot Darth Vader, and I don't know. I have like pretty much. I have the most amazing collection on the freaking planet. <laughs> I actually love it. So that sounds awesome. So for me, nobody really understands that they're like, you're a grown man and you collect dolls. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's like my whole thing. And I've got a, a lot of money invested in it. And, and for me, it's just fun though. And it's relaxing and I, it helps me think. So when I'm sitting in my office, you know, and I'm working and I look around at all the cool stuff, it actually helps me be more creative. Yeah. that You've got something that helps detach you a little bit from reality that's got to help in some way hasn't it yeah absolutely how can people find out more about you jimmy you got a lot going on where's the best place to find you jimmystarsworld.com is my website that's got everything on it uh, in social media i'm dr jimmy star so it's at dr jimmy star j-i-m-m-y-s-t-a-r that's me on instagram twitter and facebook i'm just jimmy star which i'm already full for friends but i uh have jimmy stars world uh on um Facebook, Jimmy Star Show with Ron Russell on Facebook, and World Star PR on Facebook. And I'm super easy to get in touch with, so follow me. I usually follow back. If you say you saw this interview, let me know in a tweet or an Instagram message or something, and I'll follow you back. Awesome. Well, Jimmy, it's been great to have you on. For those that are tuning in, make sure you subscribe if you haven't already so you don't miss any of our future or past episodes. And leave a review if you enjoyed the show. Jimmy, thanks again, and I look forward to keeping in touch. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.